For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope the first two weeks of the year going well for you so far here in 2021. By the way, where's the cutoff date for saying Happy New Year to somebody? Is there a date or it's just... The next time you see them after the new year, when is that When is that cutoff? I don't know, that's a debate for a different day, I guess. Welcome to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Eric Pesolano along with you here for the ride. This is the debut of the podcast, so glad you're tuning in. We got a lot in store for you here today on the show. So many things to talk about. It was a packed off-season that for Colorado only lasted 148 days only. So we're going to go ahead and talk a lot about what's happened between then. We are now a day away from the Avs taking the ice at Ball Arena. Going to open up the season against the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night. It's going to be a fun one. You remember what happened last time those two teams took the ice together. Oh boy, did they have some fun in the bubble up there in Edmonton. That was one heck of a game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. 25th season for the Colorado Avalanche this year. 56 games in the regular season. Hopefully the postseason comes along with it. All indications early on are that is going to be the case. Going to talk a lot about the Avs opponent, the St. Louis Blues, coming up this week. The only two games between this show and the next one. So we'll break it down for you there. We're going to take a look at the season. Mentioned 56 game schedule. Some realignment within the divisions. We'll break down the Avs roster a little bit too as we kick off this 2021 season. We'll look back at the playoffs from last year. And maybe we'll give you some season predictions at the end of this one. Should be a fun show. And again, glad you're here for the first edition of Believe in Avalanche. I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the reason I'm here, the reason I became such a big fan of the team when I was younger. You know, there's a lot of fair-weather fans around the country, if you will, and you can go ahead and slap me right in that category with this team if you'd like, but a lot of people have their stories of how they became a fan of of teams. For me, the winning helped. I know I know a lot of folks 
they're ingrained in the culture, in the city where they were born, the city where they grew up, and that's how they become a fan of a team. And for me, things were a little bit different. I'm, I'm from Southern California, and we had the Kings and the Ducks. All my friends were Kings and Ducks fans when I was little, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to go down that path. So I went in a bit of a different direction. My dad, from Boston, I was born there as well. Most of my family's from there, and they're all Bruins fans. And I didn't want to do that either. I, I had to be the different guy. So when I when I was younger, it was it was following the teams that played the Bruins, right? I wanted to be wanted to be the Rebel and support something different. And the Quebec Nordiques were around at the time, and I thought, with all due respect, that was the silliest thing I'd ever heard when I was seven years old. So that was the team with the funny looking logo and the funny looking jerseys and the name. That had to be my team, so immediately. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew the puck had to go into the net when I was that that little. And I became a Nordiques fan. And, of course, just a year or two later, they moved to Denver. They become the Colorado Avalanche and been hanging with them ever since. And now a chance to, to host this show and, and bring you all some, some insight and some of my thoughts uh, surrounding the team as well. But... You know, the, the winning does help, especially in that, that first year in Denver when they hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup. And there's a reason for that. And while I, I didn't really want to start this podcast on a somber note, it's already been a, a rough enough past year plus now for everyone. But I, I, I thought we'd be remiss if we didn't look back at the legacy that Pierre Lacroix uh, left behind for us Avalanche fans across the world and everything he did for the organization. And in such a short amount of time, if you think about it, he was only around for 896 regular season games as general manager and, and other capacities with the club. Nine straight division titles, 18 playoff rounds in his tenure, two Stanley Cups won, and a grand total of about 11 years with the organization of course, uh, Pierre passed away back on December 13th. Without him, you're not looking at any of the success this franchise has had over the 25 years they've had in Denver. Of course, he, he joined the club in 1994. He was named president and GM of the Quebec Nordiques and then moved the team uh, moved with the team to Colorado the following year. And, and that's when the fun ride began. They were, they were a team that had a lot of pieces and were, were going to be good. They, they were just missing something. And that something was goaltending. And he found a way to bring in Patrick Waugh, and they got that first title. By the way, speaking of teams that are missing just a little bit of something, kind of feels the same way now, doesn't it? We'll talk about that later, but there's a little bit of foreshadowing for you. He was able to get Patrick Waugh in the big trade. They go on. They win the cup. They, they sweep Florida in that 96 Stanley Cup final. And of course, five years later, he brings in a couple of massive defensemen, not in the same offseason, but, you know, Ray Bork traded for in the middle of the year. You're, you're looking at two of the greatest defensemen who've ever played the game on the same team who did not start their careers in Colorado. They were acquired. Ray Bork gets his first. Rob Blake gets a title. And they win Stanley Cup number two as a franchise there in that 2001 Stanley Cup final when they beat New Jersey. You need somebody who knows what they're doing to assemble all that and make the right moves, and Pierre was that guy. 
and and he wasn't just a great hockey mind either. All that was evidenced by his career before he became a GM in the National Hockey League. He started out as a beer salesman, then he turned into an agent, and then eventually he was able to get that general manager job down the line after a couple of stops in different hockey leagues, but he wasn't a guy who graduated from university. He was just kind of a guy that loved the game, never played professionally himself, never really played all that much. He just knew what he was doing, and it's amazing how much you can accomplish in your life when you just pay attention to things. I know that's sometimes tough to do, but if you pay attention to your surroundings and know what you're talking about, you can get just about anything done, and that's what he did in Denver. But again, not just somebody who knew what he was doing, but somebody who cared a lot for the people around him and was just a generally good guy. You wanted to go up and talk to him? I never got to meet him myself, but you know, all I'm reading is second, third-hand accounts, but you saw the statements released by all the great general managers and other personnel around the league saying good things about him, you knew he was a guy that would give you the time of day, and sometimes that's all you need, but he'd give you a little bit more than that. Uh, Former NHL GM Brian Burke had this to say about Pierre. You can have a great career and not be a good person, but he was a really good person. And if you get a ringing endorsement like that from somebody else, one of your peers in your field, especially with the success that Brian Burke has had too, being in the league as long as he has... You have to really tip your cap to a man like Pierre Lacroix, who had so much success. So I wanted to start off our brand new show here by honoring a guy who had he not done as good a job as he had, I wouldn't be right here doing this show. I probably wouldn't be watching the team as much as I do. But when you build a culture that has resonated all these years, you got to give it up to the man who pretty much started it all, Pierre Lacroix who left us on December 13th. And you know what? You know what really irks me as as we move along here? He's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. How on earth is that still a thing? Somebody's got to get in contact <laughs> with all these voters to figure this out real fast. Or whoever on what committee needs to get together to get him in because he is very deserving. You know, he doesn't have as many accolades as a lot of other GMs around, but again, you go back to the amount of time he did it in, winning those cups, you you gotta, he's gotta have the consideration. And maybe even more than just consideration. Get him in now, I'll leave it at that. So I mentioned a little bit ago, we are a day away now from puck drop on the new season. Av's gonna be hosting the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night at Ball Arena, 8.30 Mountain Time Puck Drop. 7.30 if you're me out here in Southern California. It's going to be a much different year. Last year was a different year, of course, with the pause and coming back into the bubble. They performed very well in the bubble. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And now you adjust again. So you're going to see a third different iteration of a season in as many years due to everything that's going on. Of course, it's understandable, but it's now another adjustment period. The good news, everybody gets to go back into their home arenas for this season to play out half of their schedule, which is what you like to see. 28 home games, 28 road games. That's the plan for the regular season. Of course, a lot of realignment in the league with restrictions at the northern border between the U.S. and Canada, so they wanted to try to limit travel as much as possible. Of course, the hope is by the time we get to the Stanley Cup final, or I guess the semifinals, Travel bans will be lifted by then. 
so then they can go ahead and and cross over into the different divisions for those semifinals. So let's take a look at the division breakdown here for 2021. The Avalanche, of course, have been relocated into the Honda NHL West division. Notice the corporate sponsorship there. Of course, that's been a big topic of conversation so far here in the offseason as well. Lots of money that was lost, of course, with uh, no fans in attendance last season. They anticipate the same, so trying to recoup some cash somewhere. They went ahead and sponsored the divisions. I'm fine with that. Look, I, I get it. Lost a lot of money last year because of the stop. You got to go out. You got to find a way to recoup something. Go ahead and, and slap them on the division titles. You can slap them on their helmets, which it looks like it's gonna, they're going to do also. Uh, having corporate sponsorships on the helmets. The jerseys, eh, is a little bit of a touchy subject. Didn't seem too much like there was interest in doing that. Will it happen eventually? Maybe. But right now, not the case. So we're looking at sponsorships on the divisions. And sponsorships on the helmets. Okay. We'll, we'll go along with that, hopefully for just this one season. So, Colorado moving to the Honda NHL West Division, which essentially is the Pacific Division of the past. Of course, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver were in the Pacific. They have been moved up north to the Scotia NHL North Division which is all the Canadian teams. So you got to replace them somewhere. Colorado chosen to move over to the West. St. Louis and Minnesota will join them in the West. So those three teams will replace the Canadian teams in the division for the most part. And of course, the remaining teams out there in the West will be Anaheim, Vegas, Los Angeles, San Jose, and Arizona. So there's your Honda NHL West division. Avalanche were scheduled to be in the same division with the Arizona Coyotes next year. They're going to do it a year early. Of course, Arizona's going to move to the Central when this is all said and done to make room for Seattle, who will join the Pacific. So they get to do it a year early. Why are St. Louis and Minnesota coming to the West and not Dallas, you may ask? Now look, I'm not a geography major. Okay, so why? I have a theory on this, and I'm guessing it has a lot to do with competitive balance. You needed to move three teams over into the West Division. Sure, you could have put Dallas over there. And then you have Minnesota and St. Louis kind of sitting over there in limbo a little bit. Yes, there is a Central Division, the Discover NHL Central Division, for our credit card friends out there. And it just didn't quite fit, I guess. And, of course, Colorado and St. Louis becoming a nice rivalry. Colorado and Minnesota already a nice rivalry. Put them all together out west. Colorado played Dallas in a seven-game series in the playoffs last year. Looked like it was budding into something. Kind of felt like a one-off. Not sure it's really going to be a rivalry. Yes, they are in the same division. I get that. Is it a rivalry? I don't know. Doesn't quite feel like the Madano days. Maybe it can get there. You look at Dallas against St. Louis, Dallas against Minnesota. Dallas and Minnesota would have been great. Of course, the former North Stars against the current North Stars. So that would have been nice. Enough to move them all the way over into the West just for that one rivalry? Mm, I don't know. Best to move a couple of rivalries over than just one because that'll, that'll carry you over 16 games right there in the regular season schedule. Everybody in the division is going to play each other eight times for a total of 56 games. You're only going to play in division in the regular season. So there'll be no crossovers into other divisions for the year. For the regular season anyway. So we'll see how that goes. 
The other division over in the East, the Mass Mutual NHL East Division, Boston, Buffalo, New York, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, and Washington. And then, of course, I mentioned the Discover NHL Central Division. Those teams, Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. And that wraps up your division alignment here for this 2020-2021 season. Say that three times fast. That's a fun one. So schedule block is going to be a little bit different, of course. It's going to be blocked off in series. So you're not really going to play a one-off game. Yes, there are a few exceptions. There will be some one-offs. But for the most part, you're going to play a couple series. For instance, the Avalanche open up the season at home with two against St. Louis. They'll play tomorrow night, and then two days later, they'll run it back for game two. So you're going to see a lot of that. Kind of takes the guys back to their junior days when you play series. I know a lot of teams in the AHL still do that. You'll play a team a couple times when they come to town. doesn't happen all the time, but uh, the division's even lower than that. They do it all the time. Kind of a cool little twist. Almost got a baseball feel to it a little bit, but a couple one-offs. Later on in the season, I think Colorado only has two or three one-off games. Everything else is a series. Other teams have more. But for the most part, it'll be all series during the season, which will make for an interesting end to the regular season when teams are battling for that final playoff spot. They'll get to see each other two or three times. If you look at Anaheim and L.A., they have a stretch where they play five in a row against each other near the end of the season. So that'll be an interesting one. There's some off days in between, but... Five games in a row against the same opponent. It's almost like a playoff series. you got to play a pre-playoff series to get in. I'm not saying Anaheim and L.A. are going to go to the postseason. You get what I'm getting at, though. Speaking of the postseason, of course, that's going to look a little bit different as well. Real straight up, top four teams in each division go into the postseason. One through four. This one's a little bit tougher of a pill to swallow for me. I get it. In every league where you divide things up by division, whether it's baseball whether it's in the National Football League, you're going to have teams that have a worse record going to the playoffs ahead of teams that were much better. Look up the Washington football team and some of the teams that missed out on the playoffs. The Arizona Cardinals had a better record than they did. But Washington went. They won their division. That's the rules. With this one, not going to be as much of an uproar, but there's going to be some teams that finish fifth in their division that have more points than a team in fourth, maybe than a team in third in another division. And is it fair? Well, you're playing against all the teams in your own division. So maybe for this year, no. It's 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 not that big of a problem. I still don't like it. Uh, I like the idea of, hey, you win your division, you're in. Especially when you're playing all the games against teams in your division. If you're the champion, it's very clear you're the champion. So you get to go to the playoffs and get, get a higher seed because of that. On the other side of the token, I could understand why some people think this is great and why it should stick around, but I just I just don't see it. We should be back to normal when it comes next year when you have four divisions of eight teams. And that's what we're going to have, a nice round divisional lineup when we get around to the 21-22 season. Looking forward to that. So top four teams in each division go into the playoffs. Of course, they will be seeded one to four, just like they finish in their division. One will play four, two will play three within your own division for that first round to best of seven series. Hallelujah, all seven game series back in the postseason this year. The winners will advance to play the other winner in your division. So it's basically all division playoffs for the first two rounds. The quote-unquote division champions will move on to the Stanley Cup semifinals, I guess, because they're not really divided into conferences this year. There's no conferences, it's just four divisions. But those four quote-unquote division champions will be seeded 1-4 to based on their regular season standing, and then one will play four, 
Two will play three. The two winners will advance to the Stanley Cup final and battle it out for Lord Stanley's Cup. Interesting playoff schedule, I guess, if you will, for, for this year. I'm all for it. I love trying anything new. If it doesn't work and everybody hates it, you get rid of it. If it's great and it works for everybody, keep it around for as long as these divisions are like this. Maybe next year when you go to the four divisions of eight teams, you do the same thing. And you can say, hey, all right, top four from each division go to the playoffs again. Maybe uh, it's the dawn of a new day in the National Hockey League when it comes to realigning, a league that has done it more times over than any of the other leagues out there. So they, they know what they're doing. And I trust the commissioner to, to get this one right. And you can go ahead and save this portion of the podcast where I just said the commissioner can get some things right sometimes. I will praise him on the bubble. And the safety protocols taken and all that. They got through the bubble. They finished every game. Not necessarily on time. You remember the one game. I think it was a Bruins-Hurricanes. Their first playoff game got postponed to the next morning. It was supposed to be played one night. Had to move it to the next morning because of that epic Lightning Blue Jackets five overtime game. But it wasn't for any virus-related issues. So they dodged that bullet there. And they were able to handle everything just fine going all the way through to the Stanley Cup final in the Lightning. After playing all those overtimes, we're able to lift the cup at the end of the tournament. So there's a look at what the season schedule is going to look like. Lots of rule changes this year. Most of them COVID protocol related. Of course, the coach is now going to have to wear a mask while on the bench. They didn't have to do that in Toronto and Edmonton, but a little bit more travel this year, taking the extra precaution, even with all the testing in place now. So a good call there by the league. When it comes to who's going to be available to play the games, you're going to have your 23-man roster just like normal. But this year, a taxi squad will be available for the teams. Four to six players. Uh, they may travel to road games if need be, or onto road trips, I should say, uh, if they are needed. Biggest change as far as the roster is concerned this year is going to be goaltenders. You have to have three between your active roster and your taxi squad. Doesn't matter if you have... One up on the big club and two on the taxi squad or two and one or three and zero. You have to have three. Sadly, that eliminates the emergency backup goaltender that we all love to see. And you see those great stories when guys get to go in there and make a big save near the end of a game or have to be forced into action due to injuries or, or other circumstances. But that's not going to be the case this year. Don't worry, everybody. We'll get back to it eventually. But right now, it's not the time for that. Uh, so the taxi squad is going to be available for the teams as well. The biggest rule change for this year, and I think everybody's on the same page with me here, is the offside rule. And of course, I know Avalanche fans out there listening to this are probably thinking to themselves, well, where was this when Landeskog was called for offside getting off the bench? <laughs> I know that the skate was up off the ice and all this and blah, blah, blah. Was it in the zone? Was it out of the zone? Well... No more debates about that anymore because your skate does not have to be touching the ice to be considered offside or onside uh, in that case. If you're coming and entering into the zone, if your skate is hovering above the blue line as the puck crosses the line, as long as that puck has crossed the line completely, if your skate is up off the ice hovering over any part of that blue line, you're good. You're good. Keep that play going. This is going to limit or I should say reduce the number of challenges this year and replay reviews, which I love, and it's going to increase the number of goals. Everybody loves goals. I'm a big defense guy. I love defense. 
But if we're going to really be splitting hairs about whether or not a skate is touching the ice for on or offside, is it really changing the position of the player? No, it's not. It's going to make it easier for the officials. Do it. Put it in place. I'm good with it. And uh, you can argue amongst yourselves because I don't care. It's a good rule. I like it. And I hope they keep it. I hope it's not just one of those trial things that uh, in two years they decide, oh, this isn't working. It's going to work. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And, you know, if it doesn't, you can at me later. And if you want to at me, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Pesolano. My name is spelt on the graphic there uh, that you clicked to listen to this podcast, so I don't need to spell it out for you. You know what you're doing. Talking about that taxi squad and how the rosters are going to look, let's move on ahead and talk about this Colorado Avalanche team, which just on Sunday, they cut it down to 29 in training camp and 11 players were reassigned. So we're getting there. Looking like 23 on the main roster and six in the taxi squad for the Avs. Not a whole lot of surprises as far as the reassignments are concerned. Love to see Bo Byram, Martin Kaut, Connor Timmons up on the big squad. Connor, of course, playing some real big minutes uh, in the playoffs last year, so good to see him still sticking around throughout this training camp period. No preseason this year, by the way, of course. They're not going to play any warm-up games. We know that. We're only a day away from puck drop, and they haven't played a single game yet. Got some scrimmages in. Only Eric Johnson back there on defense has not skated with the team at current time. He is still deemed unfit to play. And they had a couple of guys who, who didn't skate for a while, too, and Landeskog. Grubauer as well. They're all back. Everybody's good. That's what you want to hear. And if you're Jared Bednar, you cannot be more over the moon right now about your injury situation because we know that it wasn't good in the playoffs. And to get as far as they did, you got to give them a huge pat on the back. And this team, this team may be, like I said earlier, in a very similar position to where they were when they were one piece away from winning their first title and Patrick Waugh is what they needed. Look, there ain't no Patrick Waugh out there right now available for them to pick up on the roster. They got what they got. They were pretty close last year. You give Michael Hutchinson a lot of credit for hanging in there and doing what he could as that third goalie, having to be forced into action. By the way, big shout-out to Mike for doing what he did in the playoffs. He's back in Toronto, a team he was with a couple years ago before he was traded to Colorado. So he signed a two-year deal with the Leafs. We wish him well, and he did a great job for what he could do. As far as skaters are concerned, of course, the two big additions, we know Brandon Saad, we know Devon Taves coming from Chicago and the New York Islanders, respectively. They're going to be huge pickups here. Taves has been skating with Makar back there in training camp so far. I mean, you get a couple of guys like that back on your D-line for one of those pairings, you're going to be in good shape. And of course, that's something that Colorado wanted to address in the offseason. They get it done there with Taves. We'll see how it shapes up on the ice. You know, this is a team that plays a lot of high-scoring games. We saw some 5-4s in there. You know, they gave up 7 to Dallas in a game during the playoffs last season. You need the goaltending, but more importantly, you need that defense. I know goaltending will win you championships, but my goodness, build that first line in front of your goaltender, that line of defense you need to at least limit some of those those goals. My biggest pet peeve with the team over the last few years have been goals in the final minute of play in periods. These are moves that you need to make to make sure those last-second goals don't occur. So it's it's real big to get somebody back there who can help out. And, of course, keeping everybody healthy. Brandon Saad being added to that offense on the second line right now. Skating out there, looking good. 
Bednar loves what he's seeing from this this group. And, of course, he's going to – I mean, the rich get richer. Let's be honest. We, we've seen what this offense can do. They can score at will. And now they can add Saad, a guy who has won Stanley Cups before. He can bring that championship mentality to this team that's already got the pieces in place to, to win a cup. And they are the favorites, or whatever, to win this Stanley Cup this year, if you look at all the sports books out there. So, hey – Anytime you can add a guy of that caliber to the lineup, let's get him out there. Interesting about the taxi squad, you know, you got a lot of the young guys out there who are normally in the American Hockey League at this time of year who get reassigned and sent down. But with the AHL not starting until February 5th, you have a chance for these guys to get a couple of games in before they might get sent back down and go to their AHL clubs. You don't want to hit that magic number of six if you don't want to burn their first year of eligibility as far as their entry-level contracts are concerned. But get them a couple games in there at the start of the year, especially since you're playing all division rivals this season. Get them some experience early. That way, if you need them later on or when they're ready to go next year, they're really going to have some time under their belt to get things moving. And of course, when you look back at the offseason, a couple of guys have got to be feeling really good about themselves. Nate McKinnon, I really don't have to mention it, but second... In the Hart Trophy voting, which is absolute balderdash. I know you all out there probably feel the same way. And of course, he won the Lady Bing Trophy as the league's most gentlemanly player. So good on him for that. Kel McCarrier called her trophy winner last year. He was just the second player ever to win the Hobie Baker Award in college and the Calder Trophy as the NHL's Rookie of the Year, essentially. The only other player? Oh, you guys are going to remember him. Chris Drury is the only other player to win both of those awards in their hockey careers. Nate and Kale, your one-two combo on offense and defense. Talked about giving up a lot of goals last year. It started in the playoffs. Let's take a look at the bubble playoffs last year in the round robin. After the pause, Avs came out looking real good. Played a couple of those exhibition games or the tune-up game before they really took to the ice to play in the round robin in the seeding, luckily finished in the top four in the Western Conference standings as far as points percentage goes. That's how they seeded teams last year when they entered the bubble for the tournament. Avs finished second in the West. They played the round robin against St. Louis, Dallas, and Vegas. Boy, how about that first one against St. Louis, huh? The 2-1 win. Nazem Kadri had the game winner just before time expired. Literally just before. 0.2, 0.1 on the clock depending on what stopwatch you're using. Either way, it counts. Avs win 2-1 to one after trailing 1-0 in that game. Great start to the bubble. They come out and they smack Dallas around in that second game. 4-0, they shut out the Stars, which uh, was an unfortunate reverse foreshadowing of what was to come later on at the end of the postseason. And then, of course, the loss against Vegas, 5-4 in overtime to wrap up the round-robin play in the bubble. Had they won that game, they would have been the number one seed going into the postseason tournament. And who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Matchups would have been different. The whole landscape would have changed. Maybe you don't run into Dallas. Maybe you still do. You don't know. You don't know. And I'm not saying that, oh, it's it's too bad they ran into Dallas. No, it's not too bad you ran into Dallas. You need to beat everybody, and they couldn't do it. So, hey, that's the hand you're given. You got to deal with it. Got to play your cards correctly. So they go into their first postseason round against Arizona, who, as an 11 seed, took down Nashville in a best-of-five series. Avs really... No competition for the the Coyotes, taking care of them very, very quickly. A five-game series there, 
just that lone win for the Coyotes in that series. And then you come to the West semifinals against Dallas and what was one of the more epic seven-game series Colorado has played in in the last few years came down to that Game 7 masterpiece between the two teams who just could not stop scoring. Of course, Dallas in overtime wins at 5-4. to four. They move on, eventually go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So if you're going to lose to somebody, you might as well lose to the team that ends up winning your conference. And in this case, that was the Dallas Stars. So the Avs end, ended their season on that note. And we'll now move in to the new year. We talk about how that bubble started for them in the round-robin play. Well, this new season is going to start the same way. As it's time to get to know your foe here on the Believe in Avalanche podcast, on the Believe Podcast Network. Eric Pesolano with you here in our debut episode. Let's take a look at the first week of the season for the Avalanche. We call this segment Know Your Foe. This week, just one foe by the time we have our next show next Tuesday. It's the St. Louis Blues, of course. They're going to come to Ball Arena for two games. Blues last year, 42-19-10 in the regular season standings. Once the season was halted, they had 94 points. They were the number one team in the Western Conference when everything came to a halt. Two points ahead of the Avalanche, who had 92 points on the year. Lots of changes for St. Louis. They had a very disappointing restart to the season. They lost all three round-robin games. Uh, one of them in a in a shootout. But they, they could not get it done against Dallas, Vegas, or Colorado. So they went into the postseason as the number four seed and then fell in six games to the Vancouver Canucks in that opening series. And this, remember, just a year removed from winning Lord Stanley's Cup. They come out and they were run by the Canucks in the last two games of that series. Remember, they lost the first two to Vancouver, came back 1-2 to even the series up at two games apiece, and then Vancouver took them out in games five and six. Canucks ended up moving on, and they fell to, to Vegas in the end. But for St. Louis, it, it was a tough bubble for them. A couple of personnel changes, of course. Alex Petrangelo is gone. He is now in Vegas, which means they have a vacancy to fill there at captain with Petrangelo gone. Four years as the Blues captain, Ryan O'Reilly going to take over as the man with the C on his chest for the St. Louis Blues. Of course, an old friend of ours in Denver, drafted by the Avalanche back in 2009. Spent six years in the Burgundy and Blue. And of course, won the Stanley Cup with the Blues two years ago. He had 61 points in 71 games last year in 2020. And he was the go-to for the St. Louis Blues. So congrats to Ryan O'Reilly, the new captain of the St. Louis Blues, his first captaincy in his National Hockey League career. Mike Hoffman was a topic of discussion for the weeks leading up to his signing with the team, a one-year, $4 million deal with the Blues, had 20 goals in six straight years currently, and 50 points in five consecutive years. So he's another guy who's going to help out on the offensive side of things as if they needed more offensive help over there. Losing Petrangelo, huge. Hoffman, not quite Petrangelo. Producing, though, at a very, very high level. And somebody who's going to help this team. And it's going to be interesting to see what this team is going to look like with those couple of changes. With how bad things went for them in the bubble, you got to wonder, are they going to be able to turn this thing around this quickly? Uh, they had the offseason to think about everything and... You know, 148, 150 days or so but between the end of their season and the beginning of this season. I guess there's a little bit more because they left the round before Colorado. 
But that's a lot of stuff you got to turn around real quick. And they just did not look like themselves. We know the Paws did a lot of damage to maybe their chemistry a little bit over there in St. Louis. So we'll see what they can do. That's who the Avalanche have in the first two games of this season. They'll play eight total along the way. So these first two this week and then six more the rest of the way. And that was Know Your Foe here on the Believe in Avalanche podcast. Other thing we want to mention, too, about the Blues, Jay Bomister retires after 17 years in the National Hockey League. That was announced on Sunday. Congratulations to him. A very, very scary end to his professional career. I mentioned I'm out here in Southern California, and he was in Anaheim when that episode occurred. We had a cardiac episode at Honda Center back in February of 2020, so it's been about 11 months since that incident occurred. I was actually down in Escondido, a city just outside of San Diego, down here in Southern California, attending a high school hockey event, as a matter of fact, and they had the the game on inside the commissary or the food court or whatever you want to call it. It looks more like a cafeteria at this particular rink that I was at, and everyone was huddled around the TV trying to figure out what happened because it had happened not really live during the game. It happened during a timeout. So when they came back from commercial, you see everything, and nobody knows really what's going on. And, of course, everything that transpired from there on out, we found out what happened. He had a cardiac episode. Thank goodness he's recovered. But his NHL career cannot continue. And, of course, 17 years in the NHL, a lot of them he played with the Florida Panthers. Congratulations on a fine career. Jay Bomeister, one of the Ironmen in the National Hockey League. Boy, was he a reliable one. He was going to be out there every night for you. And uh, we're going to miss him on the ice. All right, we've come to the end here of our first episode of the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. How about we take a look at some season predictions? And we're specifically talking about this Colorado team and what can they do this year with the new schedule and the new travel restrictions and all the COVID-19 protocols in place? How are they going to build off of a seven-game Western Conference semifinal series loss last season? And it's real simple. You keep doing what you were doing. You got better on defense. You got a little bit better on offense. Your goaltending, it's the same, but they're healthy. So you got better at goaltender compared to where you were in the playoffs last year. You're in a division that is not as strong as the one you were in in the Central. With all due respect to my teams out here in California that surround me, San Jose, LA, and Anaheim, I tell you what, those 24 games right there, you can pick up some heavy, heavy points and get yourself to a division championship. How odd could it be to call the Colorado Avalanche West Division champions? That That's just not Western Conference, West Division. That would be strange, but perhaps it could happen. The biggest contender in the division this year, in my opinion, will be the Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to be between Vegas and Colorado in the West. St. Louis is probably third. You look at four through eight down there, and I got to be honest with you. I mean, it's you can separate Minnesota a little bit. Arizona's probably in the mix there too, around that four or five spot. Arizona, Minnesota, probably four and five there, interchangeable. San Jose is going to get healthy again. They were really injured last year, but now you're trying to build your chemistry back up, and I'm not sure how that's going to work. They could give St. Louis a little bit of trouble there. Um, they're going to give Arizona and, and Minnesota trouble, so they could be in the four and five spot too. So really, you're looking at a top-heavy division when it comes to Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis. Those are your top three. 
and I'm going to say in that order. Avs are going to win the division this year. I am an eternal pessimist. You're going to learn that throughout the year. And I am a coach's mentality type of person. If I see something wrong, when we do something good, yes, I use we. I was born on the East Coast. I'm part of this team. At least I feel like it. So you're just going to have to deal with it, all right? You can call me out on, on Twitter if you want. I really don't care. It's we, all right? All right, just wanted to make sure we got that out of the way. When we do something right, I'm still looking for what's done wrong, and I'm going to call it out. And that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> so get ready for that as, as we take this ride together throughout this Believe in Avalanche podcast. Avs will win the West. As far as the postseason is concerned, what do you do from there? I mean, you look at the other divisions, the quote-unquote Eastern Conference teams that we're used to, Tampa's the reigning champ. And until you beat the reigning champ, they're the champ, right? That's just how it works. You want that cup, you got to go take it from them. So those teams over there, going to be rough. It feels weird. You kind of feel like the North and the East are the Eastern Conference and the West and the Central are the Western Conference traditionally, even though it's massively mixed up. But it's the way it goes. Things are wildly different this year, and we're going to enjoy it. That's all we can do. We love hockey, and we're going to watch this team in the Burgundy and Blue hopefully take home cup number three. That's going to be the goal, and they're going to have a real good chance to do it. Just ask everybody in Vegas. I'm not talking about Knights fans. I'm talking about the books. They think they're the favorite, or whatever. Hey, don't forget to look me up on Twitter at Eric underscore Pesolano. Same handle on Instagram as well. Share your questions, comments, concerns with me. We'll talk about them on the show next week. Of course, two games against St. Louis, so we'll see how those play out. I'm interested to hear what everybody thinks about this new year and also what you expect out of this club. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at BelieveInAvs, and we're going to have some fun stuff on there too planned. So follow those accounts. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening in to our first episode. Hope you enjoyed it. This has been the Believe in Avalanche podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.